to mini episode 88 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Zara, Emma Gray, Lupines, Mickey McClellan, Missy Ann Fila, Jill Walsh, Megan, Pamela Cates, Tracy Stockley, Rogelio Rodriguez, Christine McCann, Rhonda Chislaghi, Kia Weefer, Rebecca Ditzler, Alison Barnes, David Mills, Cindy Skowinski, Shannon Elizabeth, Sarah McBrearty, and Sirka Nikonkover. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. I appreciate it so much and I'm thankful for you every single day. And I have three listener stories for you today. And the last story comes from August the 17th, 2020. And story number one comes from Maria. I grew up in a village in Staffordshire and when I was eight, my mom and dad bought a house that is built on a cemetery. Growing up was so much fun. My siblings and I would camp in the garden and play amongst the graves and up in the church till all hours with our mates getting up to all kinds of mischief. I was 10 when I acknowledged my first strange encounter. Prior to that, I just dismissed all the weird stuff going on around me. I was with my sister and my aunt and we were in the bedroom messing around when we looked out the window into the neighbour's house. He had a little cherry orchard and fruit trees in his garden, but on one tree, there was a body hanging from it. We freaked out and called my mom, but she couldn't see what we were looking at, so she decided to go next door to see for herself. She stood right next to it and we were shouting out the window to tell her it was right next to her but she couldn't see anything. We all saw the body that night, but mom put it down to our imagination so I never really thought much of it until I got a bit older. I'm 46 now and I've had so many paranormal experiences over the years. I have been told that spirits are drawn to me, but I wanted to share one event in particular with you that has haunted me for the past 20 years. I moved into my first house when I was 19. This house was a two-bed new build on a cul-de-sac that had four houses in total on it. I was a single mom, and my daughter Zoe was nearly one and a half. I didn't have her on the weekends. We had been in the house for a good few months, but for whatever reason I always felt uneasy on the stairs and at the top of the landing, to the point where if I went to the toilet, I would always have to keep the door open just in case. All of a sudden Zoe would wake up screaming as if she'd been murdered and it used to scare the crap out of me. It went on for a few weeks, and then one night she was especially distraught. I ran in and asked her what was wrong and she said, It's red eyes, it's red eyes, and was pointing to her wardrobe. All of a sudden, the wind-up clown that was sitting on top of her wardrobe started playing music and moving its head around its body. I kid you not, I about shit twice and died. I got the clown down and cheerfully volleyed it down the stairs, ready to go in the bin, and I tore her pictures off the walls. It went quiet for a few weeks after that. Then one weekend, Zoe went to her dad's, and I'd been out on the Saturday with my friend. I'd half a lager and then came home as I had an early start on the Sunday. I was pretty worn out, so I made sure everything was locked up and went to bed and then all hell broke loose. Obviously, with it being a new build, you could hear creaks and groans when the house cools down. But I was used to this and fell asleep. 
When I woke the next morning and went downstairs, all of my furniture had been moved. My sofa pulled out at an angle, one of my armchairs was on its side, my big black ash unit was pulled all the way out and turned sideways and the door under the stairs, which was behind the sofa, was wide open. I shit myself, I thought I'd been burgled and I didn't have a weapon on me and I needed to go past the stairs cupboard to get to the kitchen but was terrified in case they were still in the house. I legged it, grabbed a knife and checked the cupboard. It was empty. I checked all the windows and doors and every room in the house. Everything was locked from the inside and I was completely alone. I didn't hear a thing and I thought I was going mad. I tried to dismiss this, that I had done it in my sleep or that my mom had popped in and played a trick on me. My mother came that afternoon to bring Zoe home and I asked her if she had been round. She said no, so I told her what happened and she said that I must have dreamt it or that I was drunk. But I was neither drunk nor was it a dream. My mother left again and I locked everywhere up and put Zoe to bed. I was sitting in my chair watching the World Music Awards when I heard a blood-curdling scream come from Zoe's bedroom. I raced upstairs like Usain Bolt, as I'd never heard her scream like that. I got in her room and she was distraught, screaming and crying again, saying, His eyes! His red eyes! and pointing towards the wardrobe. I told her to come and sit with me for a bit and that she could sleep with me tonight. I took her downstairs and we sat till the TV programme had finished and then I took her and put her in my bed. It was only when I sat on the end of my bed to take my shoes off did I look up to see that old plastic rickety vegetable rack with my makeup on it taking pride of place in front of my wardrobe. Me and Zoe were the only ones in the house and it was next to her dressing table less than an hour before. My heart stopped, my blood ran cold and I pushed my drawers in front of my door and put the smaller ones on top. I sat up all night terrified just waiting and listening. The next thing I knew I was being awoken by the doorbell. I popped my head out my window to see my two friends Paul and Mark. I threw them the door keys and asked them if they had a torch in the car and they did. I explained what had happened over the past couple of nights and I got them to go into the loft to make sure that you couldn't walk through the lofts and to rule out my neighbours playing a trick on me. I also got them both to sleep over, one in Zoe's room and one downstairs, just to make sure it wasn't me. Nothing happened that night, or for a long time after. I then got a boyfriend and was in a relationship for a couple of years. It wasn't the easiest of relationships and it ended quite badly. He smashed a few things in my house and cut his hand. We weren't there when this took place. He did a really fucked up thing and wrote I love you Maria in his blood on the wall as he woke up the stairs. Suffice to say I dumped his ass. But now this is where it gets really messed up. No matter how many times I painted over that it would just seep through the paint. I papered over it and it still came through the paper. In the end me and Zoe moved away. I never got to the bottom of that house and why it was so creepy. However, I put it down to maybe being built on something with a little more history to it. I often drive past that house when I visit my family. My mom still lives in the house of the cemetery. And it has had so many owners and they never ever stay in the house for long. I would like to say this is the only strange thing that has happened to me or my family, but it isn't. So much so that I am now into the paranormal 
even having an overnight stay in Bodmin Castle to do a nighttime vigil with surprising results. And story number two comes from Natalie. This is my mother's encounter that she had at our family cottage years ago. The cottage has been in my father's family since the 1930s, in a place called Hope Bay in northern Ontario, Canada. It is a true cottage, with that beautiful musty cottage smell. It is nestled on a lot pushed almost right into the escarpment, and the Bruce Peninsula Trail is literally 20 feet behind it. It has been handed down from my great-grandfather and has been kept up very nicely considering how old it is. Unfortunately, my grandfather was too busy working as a paediatrician and moving all over Ontario that he was not interested in the cottage, so his sister Hannah and her husband Earhart took it over. It now belongs to their son Fred, my dad's cousin, as both Hannah and Earhart have passed away. I've been going there for as long as I can remember. We would spend the entire summer there, and we still go whenever we can, and it's a very special place to me. My husband and I actually spent our honeymoon there. Right next to the cottage is a parking lot. I use the term loosely because it's basically a clearing that people use to park their cars if they need to take a boat to their cottage, and lots of hikers leave their cars there to spend the day on the trail. We are the last cottage before the road turns into a private drive along the water, where there are more cottages, including another family cottage that my dad's other cousin owns. Often there are cars that want to check out the bay, so they drive down the long hill from the main highway and follow the road, ending up at this small widening in the road in front of our cottage. They see the private property sign so they have to turn their car around and always end up using the front part of this lot to get turned around. It might sound pointless to tell you all of this, but I promise there is a reason for it. I had been there with a friend for two days, but my parents were coming up with my aunt and uncle and two little cousins for a few days, so I made the four-hour drive back home as there are only two bedrooms and I didn't feel like sleeping on the couch for three nights. Later that week, I came back up to spend a few more days. The first night I was back, my parents and I were sitting in the living room winding down, watching TV and reading before bed, when suddenly my mom said to me, Oh my God, Natalie, I forgot to tell you. I saw a ghost in the back bedroom the other night. I was shocked, not only by her telling me she saw a ghost, but because my mom was not one to A, lie about something like that, and B, has never been a believer in anything related to ghosts. My whole life I've been telling her stories I've heard and her response was always, okay, sure, Nat. I could always tell she didn't believe and just thought the stories were silly and didn't buy into them so I was completely taken aback when she told me what she saw. Her and my dad were reading in bed, and got tired, so they turned out the light. Now one thing I do need to mention is just how dark it is at night time there. Unless the moon is shining, you cannot see two feet in front of your face outside at night time. Some nights, after your eyes get used to the dark, you can see the bushes and the trees outside the window from the bed, but really only if the moon is shining and if not, you can't see a thing. Regardless of what kind of night it was, it doesn't explain what she saw. She had only dozed off a short time and was rolling over in bed when she looked up to the foot of the bed and saw the glowing figure of a man from about the middle of his chest up. The room was very small, 
so this would have only been about two feet away from the foot of the bed. She couldn't make out a face, but she knew it was a man because of the shape and size. She tried to wake my dad up and kept nudging him and saying his name, but he was in a dead sleep, and my mom didn't want to make too much noise and wake anyone else up, as noise travels easily through the small cottage. As she sat staring at the figure, she looked up towards the door of the bedroom to her left, which was right next to my dad. Above the door was a cloud of mist, the same glow as the figure in front of the bed. She sat, staring for a few seconds, trying to adjust her eyes and pinch herself, thinking she was dreaming. Then a wave of calm came over her. She slinked back down in the bed, pulled the covers up over her head and fell asleep. When she woke up, it was morning. I asked her, are you sure it wasn't lights from a car turning around in the parking lot? She said she thought about that, but she would have heard a car if it was right next to the cottage that late at night with the windows open. One window is right next to her and another to the left of the foot of the bed. They always sleep with the windows open, so if a car pulled in, she would have heard it. You can hear a pin drop on the bay at night, let alone a car driving on gravel 20 feet from the cottage. And the car would have had to pull into the very back of the lot to have lights shine in through the window beside her. And there is no possible way the light would have reached far enough in the window to cast light above the bedroom door. And even if there had been a full moon, it would have been on the other side of the cottage and again would not explain the light mist above the doorway from the bedroom into the hallway in the middle of the cottage. It completely freaked me out. I've been there many times since and it still weirds me out knowing what she saw. Fred came to visit us while we were staying there a year or two later. She mentioned it to him and he said he has had some strange things happen but did not elaborate. But the comforting thing is... He thinks it's the spirit of his father, Earhart, and he said that he loved the cottage, and maybe he's just checking in from time to time. My mom felt a little better hearing that, and thinks maybe the sense of calm that came over her was his way of telling her it was okay and not to be scared. Over the years, I've brought it up to my mom, and she shakes her head and says, Ugh, yeah, that was creepy, but doesn't like to talk about it much. Maybe because she still has a hard time believing what she saw. I'd always doubted whether or not ghosts were real, but when something like that happens to your own mother, who is a total non-believer, it has definitely changed my thoughts on the matter. I'm just glad it didn't happen to me. Or I may have had to dropkick my own great-uncle. And story number three comes from Sandra. The first story is something that happened to my older sister and her three guy friends from college. This adventure happened back in 2006 when she came home to visit, bringing her friends to her hometown for the weekend. While at home, she decided to take her three friends on a few local haunts to see what would happen when they had a free evening. Although she is not a big believer in the paranormal, her friends were. At around 9pm on a humid, misty Friday night in October 2006, my sister and her friends decided to visit a local asylum that had been closed back in 1995 called Fairfield Hills Hospital. Fairfield Hills is located in Newtown, not far from Sandy Hook. Fairfield Hills Hospital was a mental hospital that had operated between 1931 and 1995 
and at one point housed over 4,000 patients. The 16 buildings are on 100 acres, all of which is owned by the state of Connecticut. In the late 1900s and early 2000s, the town of Newtown had rented some of the buildings. There was talk of turning the building into residence halls for students as recently as a few years ago, but nothing has been developed. My sister decided to drop her friends off while she drove around the campus because she knew that cops liked to patrol the area, and they were keen to explore the buildings and see if they could locate any of the underground tunnels that connected the buildings, including an on-site morgue. These tunnels were later sealed in 2009. After she dropped the boys off, she had a creepy feeling and decided to crank up the music and try to ignore it while she drove in a loop around the exterior of the campus. After about half an hour of driving, she received a call on her phone and heard her friends screaming at her to come back and pick them up. She didn't know why they were so upset, but clearly something had happened that had scared them. She pulled up a few minutes after the call and all three boys ran into the car, slid in and yelled at her to go. Confused but realising she needed to leave, she drove off. And this is where it gets weird. One of her friends looked around at the rearview window and told my sister that she wasn't funny and asked her how could she do that. Confused, she asked what they were talking about. She pulled over into an empty parking lot and they all got out of the car. Written on the back windshield were the words, help us, with small handprints around the words. The words were written on the outside of the back window. None of the passengers in the car fit the size of the handprints. They all got back in intending to drive home and my sister asked the boys what scared them so much. They said they didn't see anything at first, but then they saw a man's floating face with no body attached following them. After they all calmed down and were on the way back home, my sister asked if they wanted to see if they could see the White Lady at Union Cemetery in Easton, Connecticut. The White Lady is a local legend in Easton. She's been seen since the 1940s walking in the cemetery and also the long tree-lined roads that connects Union Cemetery in Easton to Stepney Cemetery in Monroe, Connecticut. They would have to drive by the cemetery to get home, so why not? There are various stories about why the White Lady haunts the cemetery, and this story and Union Cemetery is well known enough that they were investigated by local Connecticut paranormal experts Ed and Lorraine Warren. Union Cemetery is continued to be one of the most haunted cemeteries in the state of Connecticut. One of the most popular tales about the White Lady, according to Lorraine Warren, is that late one evening, a man was driving down Stepney Road in his pickup truck just past Union Cemetery. Out of nowhere, a woman appeared in the middle of the road wearing a white dress. The man couldn't stop in time and struck the woman. When the man pulled over to investigate, the woman was nowhere to be seen. While driving by, my sister decided to pull the car onto a dark road with no streetlights that is behind the cemetery and drive slowly and complete a few loops. Due to the high traffic volume at the cemetery, especially at night, the Eastern Police Department has deemed the cemetery off-limits to the public after dark, so driving around was all that legally could be done. After three times circling the cemetery, when they were about to give up and finally head home, something happened. 
As they drove down the darkest part of the road that ran along the back of the cemetery, a large basketball-sized white light shot out across the road about five feet in front of the car at eye level and hovered. My sister slowed the car to a stop and no one in the car said a word. Entranced as they all watched, the ball of light continued to hover and then suddenly it shot off towards the cemetery at very high speed, breaking the spell and they all screamed. Needless to say, by that point, the four of them had enough and finally drove back home. Over the years, I've also had a few weird things happen to me, including this experience at my aunt and uncle's house in Maine. A few years ago, when I was visiting my grandparents in Maine, while I was visiting, I decided to stay the night at my aunt and uncle's house who lived nearby on a lake. My uncle was out of town and I wanted to spend more time with my aunt. Although I've been to their house many times, it was always during the day, and I'd never spent the night there before. The first part of the night was fun. My aunt and I watched movies and got to hang out and catch up. However, the atmosphere got different, as it got later and darker. My aunt went to bed around 10pm and I decided that it was time to head upstairs, figuring I could read and relax before going to sleep. However, the night did not go as planned. After brushing my teeth, I crawled into bed in the small guest room, which was the only bedroom on the second floor, and started to read. The atmosphere was oppressive, and within about ten minutes I felt like something was watching me, and that this something was not human. I tried to ignore it, but no one tells you how hard it is to sleep when you think someone is watching you. Eventually, I put on music and fell asleep at around 3am. While eating breakfast, I was trying to think of how to bring this subject up to my aunt, but I wasn't sure how. Eventually, she asked me how I slept, and I figured this was a good opening, so I told her I felt like something or someone was watching me sleep and giving off a very negative vibe. She seemed surprised at first, until she said, Yeah, I was worried about that. I paused for a minute and then asked her what she meant, and she responded, You aren't the first person to say that. She then proceeded to tell me how her parents who would visit would say that they felt weird in that room and then she started telling me stories of unexplainable things happening in the house. These strange things included coming home to an empty house and seeing the roses from the potpourri bowl lined up perfectly in a line down the middle of the living room floor. Sometimes she saw a man in the house that looked like my uncle and confused this figure with him only to be surprised later when my uncle arrived home and realised she had been home alone all along. My aunt and uncle were the only people who lived in the house, with the cat for company. These events and feelings didn't bother my aunt, but they gave me an uneasy feeling, so at this point I decided I would visit the house but never sleep over again. Or so I thought. Fast forward a few days later on the same visit and my grandmother got injured and had to spend the night in the hospital. And guess where I had to stay? at my aunt and uncle's house again. I did tell my uncle who was back from his trip what happened and he advised me to ignore it and nothing would hurt me. So I spent the night again and the same thing happened where I felt like I was being watched. Since the last time I stayed at the house, my aunt and uncle got divorced and my uncle sold the house. I sometimes wonder if the new person is experiencing the same things or if those spirits have been laid to rest.
Thank you to Maria, Natalie and Sandra for your stories. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to send in your own story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to get any more information about us, about the podcast, about me, then you can go to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next time. <laughs>